do our cars Spend days to you I tell Of how the good old union Is coming here to dwell Tell me which side are you on Which side are you on Which side are you on Welcome everybody. Uh, welcome to this session on Irish Unity. My name is Rachel Garnham. I'm the co-chair of the Campaign for Labour Party Democracy, um, convener of Eastern Labour Left and a former Labour NEC member. And I'm really pleased to welcome you to this important event tonight as part of Arise 2023, an online festival of Labour's left ideas. Here in Britain, we need to both build resistance to this vicious Tory government, but also continue to popularise support for socialist solutions to the crises we face. And to do this, we need to learn lessons of other struggles and also offer our solidarity to those fighting for a better world and social justice. And that is especially the case when it comes to Ireland right on our doorstep. And as someone who spends a lot of time campaigning in the Labour Party for a better policies and more democracy. It's actually really positive to be talking about Ireland this evening and the, the positive agenda that, that's on offer there. Um, so the discussion we're having tonight is really essential. The Good Friday Agreement of 25, time for Irish unity, isn't it? Um, Sinn Féin's victories in the recent local elections in the north of Ireland and continuing advances in the south show that real change is on the agenda in Ireland and has raised the prospect of a united Ireland. So while the, the recent 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement reminds us both of what has been achieved, but it also um, is a good opportunity about what still needs to come. So for many of us active in uh, solidarity with the Irish cause over the years and, and decades, I'm afraid, um, it is further confirmation of our need to, again, step up this work, including built through building links with the left and progressive movements in Ireland and making the case here for a border poll, including in the Labour Party and the broader Labour movement. And there's always a job of political education to do in our Labour movement in Britain to to um, learn more about the, the Irish cause and uh, the history of Ireland and, and why Irish unity is, uh, is necessary. So we're therefore promoting a discussion both in terms of what we can learn and in terms of how we can support peace, self-determination and social progress. So um, as part of this is part of a, a wider um, discussion um, and do donate if you can and buy a ticket for the whole of the festival using the links posted in the chat throughout the event because without your event without your support we couldn't ho host these important discussions and events so um, uh, yeah please do donate buy a ticket um, and share um, with your um, comrades and, and contacts elsewhere um, due to the amazing level of interest tonight as well as this Zoom webinar. We're streaming live direct from the Arise YouTube page and over a dozen Facebook pages. And as the event goes on, please do post your questions in the Q&A section on Zoom and we'll put some to our panel. It's a really great opportunity to find out um, what's going on um, in Ireland and some a, a cause that we don't necessarily pay enough attention to in the Labour movement in Britain. So our panellists are going to be Michelle Guldenhue, an MP, MP for Sinn Féin. Um, then we're going to hear a little bit from Arise volunteer Fraser Maguire. Um, we've got John McDonnell MP and finally Jeff Bell, the author of The Twilight of Unionism and from the Labour for Irish Unity campaign. So um, without further ado, I'm going to move on to hear from Michelle about what's going on. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks a million, Rachel. Um, I, I suppose I'd like to begin by thanking the organisers of the Rise Festival for once again providing a platform to highlight what's taking place um, in Ireland before a British, primarily British audience. So um, I'd also like to wish you well for the rest of the festival and I hope it, it goes well for you. Jerry Adams once summarised, um, you can't be a socialist in Britain if you support British imperialism in Ireland. And as many of you watching tonight will know, this April we marked 25 years since the signing of the historic Good Friday Agreement, which was a hard-won compromise that ended three decades of conflict on our island. Since January, we've listened to those who have to deliver the 1998 agreement, and we've heard about the highs and lows of that time. And while the efforts of Jerry Adams, Martin McGuinness, David Tremble, John Hume, Mum Molum, um, Bertie Hearn, Davy Irvine, and even Tony Blair, despite his interventions elsewhere, 
while all of their efforts are to be commended, what was really significant for me personally um, was that every panel discussion that I listened to, um, the discussion very quickly turned to the next 25 years. And of course, it's right that we celebrate, commemorate and mark what happened in 1998. But those that I, the people that I talk to, they want to know what's happening now and more importantly, what's going to happen next. And the most recent local elections in the north have demonstrated once again the change isn't just possible, it's already happening. The parties that pushed narratives that were locked in the past find themselves out of step with where people were at. Sinn Féin went into the campaign with a positive message of making to one politics work and that positive leadership resonated with the public. Our vote share went up in all electoral areas and we saw gains in areas that have never had Republican representation before, like Paul Burke in Ballam in Lisburn North, Brandon Linus in Ballamina and Neve Archibald in Coleraine. And we know that we receive votes that wouldn't necessarily classify themselves as Republican. I know firsthand as an MP that I have the support of people who don't see themselves as Republican or United Irelanders. I've won the Fermanagh South Throne three the Fermanagh South Throne seat three times with less than 100 votes. And I know when I win on a slim majority like that, it's unions' votes that are putting me over the line. And that's good. It's healthy. It's the society in the North that we live in. So change is happening as we speak and more change is on its way. And it's important that those from a traditional unionist background are involved in shaping this change. Let it be very clear. Unionists have a place of right in any New Ireland and we want them to be part of what we collectively create. As a party, we have made efforts to show leadership and to reach out the hand of friendship to our neighbours. And we've undertaken notable steps of reconciliation. But we don't do it for reciprocation or for a pat on the head. Michelle O'Neill's attendance at the coronation of the English King stands as a tangible demonstration of our commitment to genuine reconciliation. It shows that we don't just talk the talk, we can walk the walk as well. And in the same term, nothing is lost by showing such respect. Michelle O'Neill went to the coronation as an Irish Republican. She came back to home to own as an Irish Republican. And as Martin McGuinness once said, our Irishness is not dependent on chipping away at the Britishness of our neighbours. It's about representing everyone as best we can. And as First Minister designate, Michelle has demonstrated her commitment to be a First Minister for everyone. In this respect, the continued denial of democracy in the North remains unacceptable and intolerable. It's clear to anyone paying attention, whether they're in Belfast, Dublin, Brussels or London, that the Assembly and Executive must be reformed. The people had their say in May last year, no single party can be, act, can be permitted to act as a barrier to this democratic expression. And the DUP should take its place in the Executive along with other parties. We remain convinced that working with unionists in the Assembly, along with the other parties and independents, is part of working towards a new and agreed Ireland. The unionist population and its political representatives working with the rest of us on this island is the best guarantee of their cultural identity, the British identity in Ireland, that will prosper and be protected in any new and independent all-Ireland, all-island republic. And the safeguards that are in the Good Friday Agreement with respect to identity, cultural and language rights will continue in a new and united Ireland. Now, of course, we know we have our work cut out for us and we know at this point in time that the British and Irish governments are against constitutional change taking place. We hear the chorus of now is not the right time from the usual quarters, but we also know that the time will never be right for them. And we also know the reasons for this. For example, British government's a unionist government. No national government ever wants to give up territory. Meanwhile, the Irish government is worried about a national realignment of politics in which the establishment parties who had their own way for over 100 years will lose their dominance. But notwithstanding these hurdles, our efforts in the time ahead will remain focused on challenging the Irish and British governments with the demand that they set a date for unity referenda. We also have to encourage the governments and the Irish government in particular in this respect to prepare for the referendums and for a successful outcome. The, Ireland, the Irish government has chosen at this time to reject any proposals put forward for United for a United Ireland, including the establishment of a Citizens' Assembly or a series of Citizens' Assembly to facilitate discussion of the plan for the future. We have to remind those who set their face against change that the Good Friday Agreement created a mechanism for constitutional change and the Good Friday Agreement was overwhelmingly endorsed 
by the people in referendums, both north and south. So the Irish government has a constitutional obligation, but it also has an obligation as a co-guarantor of the Good Friday Agreement to prepare for unity. So that means that the Irish government should establish a citizens' assembly to begin the work of planning. And in turn, it should agree with the British government a firm date for the unity referendum provided for by the Good Friday Agreement. Now, I'm not suggesting that this should take place immediately. In fact, I think it's a bit disingenuous when polls, when people are asked in a poll, would you vote for United Ireland tomorrow? This needs time for preparation and planning. And the Irish government should, at the very least, stick a date which allows for that inclusive preparation to begin. As Irish Republicans, we're clear. The Irish people have the right to self-determination. We have the right to determine our own future without outside interference, peacefully and democratically. That is a central component of the Good Friday Agreement. Following the restoration of a Northern Assembly, our focus must turn towards this new phase in our peace process, the establishment of a pathway towards a new future, and the need for a genuine process of reconciliation and healing across the island of Ireland. In this regard, the British government's shameful legacy bill must be scrapped entirely and altogether. It cannot, it cannot continue. The bill is a stain on the international principles of human rights and dignity. And the framework for addressing our past is already there. It's the Stormont House Agreement. Unilateral decisions taken in shadowy rooms in Whitehall cannot be allowed to override past agreements. Agreements that were reached between all parties and both governments. And victims and survivors have to be central to finding a way forwards in terms of reconciliation. It's fundamental that all our communities and constituencies are brought with us. Ultimately, Sinn Féin believes that healing the divisions of Irish society is inseparable from the transition towards a new, agreed, constitutional democracy in Ireland. We're too small an island to be so bitterly divided. Today, we have the indicators all around us that we're living on an island, on an island that is changed is still changing and is going to change some more. That is where the onus comes on all of us, no matter what side of the debate that we find ourselves on, to manage the conversation and to manage it maturely, respectfully and openly. There's nothing to fear from talking, nothing. And crucially, there's nothing to fear from listening. I don't want my Ireland of the future to be an echo chamber. It's a well-worn cliche now, but Brexit provided us with a perfect blueprint of how not to have a debate around constitutional change. And in any future constitutional framework, we would seek to place island-wide reconciliation at the heart of all political and civic institutions. That would be a realisation of the 1798 United Irish vision of the unity of Catholic, Protestant and dissenter. We seek not to forget the past or forget the hurt. That would be impossible. Rather, we would seek to build a society that is not held prisoner to a hurtful past. In the meantime, our immediate challenge is to ensure that proper power sharing and the accompanying north-south political institutions are restored. The future is too precious to be the subject of, to the whim and veto of those who choose to live in the past. The aspirations and rights of the majority cannot be subordinated to appease an anti-democratic, anti-power sharing minority. Our collective responsibility must be to ensure future generations inherit a unified and reconciled Ireland. James Connolly once said, Ireland without her people is nothing to me. And that is how we see, we in Sinn Féin see a new united Ireland. Our diversity is our greatest strength and our people are our best asset. An Ireland that's home to everyone where no one is left behind. And when Mary Lou spoke in Australia earlier this year and she talked about that, she really touched a chord with people who for the first time felt in the diaspora that an Irish political leader was asking them to come back to help us to make Ireland work. So this new phase of our political process is only just opening up to us. And while unification won't be some miracle cure, but being no doubt, we can do better at deciding things for ourselves. Let us handle our own difficulties. And I mind British Labour Party activists down through the years assuring us, don't worry, once we get socialism in Britain, all will be well, you won't have to leave. But that ignores our right to rule ourselves, our right to make our own mistakes, as long as they're our own. Democracy is nothing to be afraid of. And for my own part, I am confident that we have the potential to build an inclusive society 
a firmer form of government and a fair economy that works and delivers for everyone. So that's the price. That's, that's the big goal for us. And we have a massive job ahead of us. But today, North and South, there are more people than ever before who want to build this new Ireland. And they can see the potential. There's no limit to what we can do, what we can achieve if we put our minds to it. We'll have to be ambitious, not only for ourselves, but for everyone who lives on our island. Ultimately, Irish unity will only come about when those of us who want it go out and work for it. So come on, neighbours, let's go out and win it. Thank you so much um, for such a, a positive contribution and, and such a, a clear and inclusive way forward. And uh, yeah, don't wait for socialism in Britain. <laughs> um, we're following you. Uh, um, so, yeah, thanks ever so much, Michelle. And um, do put your questions in the, the chat because there's a lot that Michelle covered there that I'm sure it would be good to hear more about. Um, so next, I'm going to move on to um, our Arise volunteer, Fraser, um, who's going to say a bit more about the festival. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining this important event on Irish Unity today. My name's Fraser and I'm an Arise Festival volunteer. We're only able to hold important narrative shaping events like this because of the support of people watching like you. While all these events are free to watch, we're also selling tickets to help cover some of the costs. Uh, starting at just £4, all these tickets will go a really long way toward helping us continue to hold these events into the future. And the support is appreciated by all the volunteers who work to make a rise happen. The link to donate will be posted in the chat function. We've got a fantastic range of seminars upcoming as part of Arise Festival 2023, including our upcoming event on the NHS this Wednesday evening and how we can restore it after more than a decade of Tory austerity. Next Monday, we have a critically important briefing and Q&A on Palestine as Israel's far-right government steps up its aggression. We also have a key event on Labour Party democracy next Wednesday in the face of factional attacks on the left and internal democracy. Please check what upcoming events you're able to watch as we do have a fantastic lineup for the festival this year. Finally, we do rely on donations and ticket sales to keep running these events. So please do donate what you're able to in order to help us keep hosting these important discussions for the left. Thank you for watching. Thanks, Fraser, and thanks to all the Arise volunteers who do such um, important work in um, bringing us these events that we, you know, as Labour Party activists, we appreciate so much and um, can help us with the sort of much needed job of political education in this uh, this country. Um, so our next speaker um, needs no introduction, but I'll give him a short one, which is a, a long time friend of Ireland. Um, MP John McDonnell. <laughs> thanks, Rachel. And, and thanks, Michelle. That, that was terrific for really setting the scene and really setting out the, the agenda for the, for the future. Um, I, I'm, I consider myself part of the Irish community in Britain. Uh, my grandparents came across from Ireland. Um, actually, that's, they came across as, as migrants. They must probably be diverted to Rwanda at the moment, but they came across as migrants and made their contribution to this this country um, in a way which I suppose created the economy upon which um, many in our society benefited. Um, and so therefore, as part of the Irish diaspora here, I have a natural interest in what's happening back in Ireland itself and have taken that interest over the years. And I know they accuse us of dwelling on history too much, but I, I do want to just remind people just how far we've come in the debate about Ireland in this country. Um, Jeff's here and Jeff and Michelle will know we've worked together on this, but I can remember way back in the late 70s and 80s um, when there was rampant anti-Irish racism um, we had the Prevention of Terrorism Act. I chaired the Guildford Four campaign, the first people, young people arrested on, under that act, and then uh, perpetrated a huge miscarriage of justice on them. I can remember organising as a GLC councillor an event at County Hall where we were looking at anti-Irish racism, the use of the Prevention of Terrorism Act, and actually some of our speakers were actually arrested under the Prevention of Terrorism Act. They were released. It was just part of the harassment process. That was going on. And you look back and you think, oh, God, what a situation we were in. And it does. It's so encouraging that we've 
come so much further forward. And I, I think you, I want to just build upon what M Michelle has said. This is all about the de debate for the future. And it's so exciting. It's just the potential is enormous. And far from <laughs> far from this idea of telling Irish people, wait till we have socialism in Britain. I'm looking at Ireland as the example of socialism for Britain, a socialist society that can be constructed and which will give us something that we can build upon here and learn lessons from. And that's why I think it is. I think there's such an enormous potential for building this new Ireland that Michelle was talking about. And I agree, we have to go out there and win it. And the diaspora has a role to play in all this. Um, and the issue for me is, although what's happened in the elections recently demonstrates the, the trend that there is, um, there's no inevitability about this. You have to work towards it. I was looking, as Michelle said, I was looking at um, what's happened in terms of the council elections, uh, just crudely, about what is it, nineteen thousand uh, votes more for those people who are supporting United Ireland than for Unionists. And the reality is, and Jeff will talk in more detail, I'm sure, on this is that the the Unionist vote is in decline. That's the reality of it. Um, DUP twenty three point nine percent, a collapse really in the Unionist vote. UUP ten point nine. That's a huge uh, setback for the Unionism. And I'm trying to understand why that's happened. Clearly, there's issues of demography here, but also I think I think Brexit, Michelle mentioned it, Brexit split unionism, there's no doubt about it. And I also think actually the absence of the executive, um, the DUP refusing to engage, I think has demoralised their own support and people have walked away from them because they want to, they want to engage in a, a constructive form of, of politics, talking about the future. And that's why I don't think... We can expect a united Ireland to emerge inevitably, but it, it has to be worked for. And my view on, on that is I come at it as, as a socialist, and, and, and it, is, it is a Connolly type, James Connolly type of approach. It's his birthday today, by the way, so forgive us quoting James Connolly. He, he was arguing, you know, there's no use putting a green flag above Dublin Castle because the capitalists will still and the financier, the capitalists and the financiers will still rule unless we create a, start the work on creating a socialist state. And I think that's that's what the potential is in Ireland now, a united Ireland, which has the opportunity and the freedoms then to create a whole new society. And at the moment, I think if you're an Irish person in the north and you're looking at what's it's happening under this Tory government. Well, austerity just goes on and on. And I don't think anyone can see that there's a future in maintaining the link anymore whilst you've got this Tory government implementing severe austerity. The, I looked at what the Children's Law Centre said about the recent budget, about this threat to children and young people. And this undermining Basic services as a result of 13 years of austerity under the Tories has affected people in the North just as much as they have in Britain itself. So I can see why people are looking to, to move on. So now it's about how you then harness that, that concern about the existence of uh, the current arrangements, the concern about the policies that are, are being pursued and therefore how you harness that into inspiring people about the sort of island that could be created. As a socialist, my socialism is about the creation of equality through democracy. And so uh, exactly as Michelle has said, this has got to be a democratic debate about the nature of the island that, that, that we need to construct. That's why I think the discussions that are taking place about how you can unite the left across Ireland itself to construct that all island socialism and laying the groundwork for a socialist island is absolutely critical. I think the pro promotion of a citizens' assembly is exactly the route. Do you know it's the route that many of us are advocating and that many have now accepted um, is most probably the best vehicle for constitutional change in Britain and about how how um, our new constitutional arrangements need to be brought about because it's a way in which people can come into the debate and have a much wider range of freedoms, if you like, in terms of discussion about how we go forward. So I think establishing a citizens' assembly would be invaluable in enabling those discussions to take place. And as part of the mechanisms 
that will encourage, I think, much more creative approach to the sort of the discussions about the sort of society that that's needed. But it does mean actually that uh, some of the hard work to, has to be undertaken about some of the ad- addressing the issues that are in the Republic as well, both in terms of the health and housing crises that are taking place at the moment, and how can they can be better addressed in an all island format. Um, I think there is a there's the potential for developing a program of radical change, working on the bread and butter daily issues that people face that could excite people, no matter what their historical background was in, in, in approaching a, a united island. And that's why I think that work has to be done. As I say, I think it could be quite inspirational about the sort of change that we want in this country as well. And that's why I'm I'm concerned that Keir Starmer said he would be campaigning for um, the status quo, effectively. Um, I'm hoping that there is absolute clarity within the Labour Party, that members of the Labour Party have the right to campaign for the views that they support and therefore for those that believe in the United Ireland, that there's a right of Labour Party members to to campaign in, 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 that, in that way and for that ob- objective. And I think we need to get that absolutely clear within the Labour Party because uh, it, it enables us then to get, involve ourselves more thoroughly in the discussions about what the island of the future would look like. It will mean um, socialists in... In England, Scotland and Wales also having to recognise the role that they play in facilitating that united Ireland to be constructed as a socialist society because we still have the dominance of the City of London in terms of finance. We still have the dominance of um, capital within this country that we have to confront and therefore we have to confront it in a way that doesn't that ensures that it, the powers that they exist here, particularly with regard to the economic powers, are not used to undermine the potential of a united socialist island too. So we have a campaigning role here about the institutions and the way in which our economy operates to influence that potential that there is for a united island. And as I say, a united island that's based upon socialist principles. So my view is that... In terms of the Irish diaspora in, in Britain, we have a role to play in supporting the development of United Ireland. We, just as we did in the support for the um, development of the Good Friday Agreement, and just as we did in terms of the discussions about the reforms that are needed here to ensure that civil liberties are established. And that's why I agree with Mr. Michelle. If there's a role for those of us that are in the UK, in the UK Parliament, it is about making sure that we um, prevent legislation being passed, which in any way impedes the process of a peaceful United Ireland. And that's, again, I think we need to do more work on that to bring to people's attention the problems that could be result from ill thought through legislation being introduced in, in this country as well. So I, I'm full of hope and optimism. Um, in fact, as I say, in many ways now, despite what British socialists have argued in the past, I think the foot is on the other shoe. The shoe is on the other foot. That actually, mm-hmm. the potential that there is in Ireland could be such a huge example of what could be done in Britain itself for the for the development of a society that, as I say, establishes equality through democracy that could be built upon socialist lines, and which again. Freedom is about freedom, economic freedom, just as much as any other forms of freedom as well. So I, I think there's a there's real potential, but I agree with Michelle. You know, it has to be worked for. And therefore, our message is go out and win this island that we now want. Thanks, John. Um, inspirational as ever. And um, I certainly think the the British Labour Party could learn a lot from um the popularity of Sinn Féin's policies, um, you know, in terms of actually policies that will work for for ordinary people, um, and and that can be popular, which Keir Starmer doesn't seem to uh, to want to pay much attention to, unfortunately. Um, our final speaker is Jeff Bell. Um, 
uh, from Labour for Irish Unity and author of uh, Twilight of Unionism and other things. So welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Rachel. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, thanks again uh, uh, for asking me, for the conference uh, organisers for asking me. I must say I've been, um, I've been watching the, um, the new BBC series on uh, the history of the, uh, of the Troubles and so far it isn't, it isn't as bad as um, it certainly could be, I must say. But I, I, I've sort of seen the footage of the, uh, the first civil rights march of, um, of October the 5th, 1968, and the footage of a Battle of Bogside and uh, in uh, the following year and both of these events I was uh, sort of part of and and, and uh, I just want to say this to all to all sort of younger sort of people there being part of this and looking back on it and the sense we're seeing it in sort of tv screens now it's 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 great to have that feeling that you help in a very very small way but you help to change history and um, uh, both those events did actually change sort of history. And you look back now, um, prior to 1968, and the leading uh, Unionist Party, the Ulster Unionist Party, was winning 70% of the votes in uh, Northern Ireland. Today, at the last election, as has been said, the leading uh, Unionist Party won 239 percent of the votes and the latest survey the latest academic survey have shown that sort of nationalist votes um, were uh, 43 44 percent and the total uh, unionist votes was 39.3 and there's another um, there's another survey which is which has also come out which has predicted that if people vote as they did at the last um, council council elections the DUP would be reduced to only five uh, MPs at Westminster which also of course is ter terribly good good uh, news for the people of uh, of uh, Britain because it means that the possibility of the Tories or indeed Labour uh, making a deal with sort of DUP of they have made deals with the DUP and other sort of unionists in the past is 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 now uh, the sort of threat of that is 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 now not as it as it as it as it was. Um, now again to try to come to terms with the decline of of the uh, unionist cause, um, there are of course as as sort of John said demographic uh, reasons for that and there is also Brexit uh, but there's also the fact I think that 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 there's something in the nature of um, of, the, of the philosophy and the politics of unionism it is a very reactionary uh, philosophy which doesn't mean that everybody in Northern Ireland who votes for it is a reactionary I mean people have various reasons to vote vote for these things but it is a very uh, backward uh, set of ideas the whole message uh, from the 19th century to the 20th century to the day was that somehow Britain was superior to the Irish uh, and that within Northern Ireland the ancestors of the of the of the uh, British settlers in Northern Ireland were superior to the uh, Catholics uh, natives, and and I mean that is a message which is in Protestant sort of propaganda for for, for, for the last two hundred years, if you like, and of course it was used to justify all all uh, sorts of things that sort of. Uh, the original invasion of sort of Ireland was a civilizing mission and so on and so on, that it was right that Ireland was partitioned so that part of Britain could sort of stay there. It was right that once it was partitioned that the Protestants got up some better jobs and so on and so on. And all this horrible philosophy of divide and rule, uh, uh, which is which has been the 
the sort of motor of sort of unionism for a long, long time um, did actually sort of divide the sort of working class, and it was part of the reasons why the Protestants who thought they would get it, they had a they they had these marginal privileges, if you like, was sort of one of the reasons why they reacted uh, as they did. Um, uh, 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 and and and. It, this is just, if you like, as part of what, and I just give a give a plug for a for a for a uh, for a sort of book here by Christine Christine Elkins' fine book, which is called A Legacy of Violence, which places the whole Irish question in 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 a in the history of Britain as a sort of imperial power. It's a, it's a it's a really excellent book, and I can recommend people to sort of read this and. This whole notion that um, that the Protestants deserve privileges, uh, deserve to be listened to first, and so on and so on, is of course still being still being broadcast now. It, 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 it is it is the fact that I mean, again, if you look back, it is now what uh, they have lost sort of elections, two sort of elections in the last uh, in the last fourteen months, um, and yet. The British government seemed quite content to sort of say that 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 the self-government of Northern Ireland cannot go ahead, cannot proceed without the unionists say so, um, and indeed the British government refused to um, criticise them, if you like, for actually uh, 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 holding up the whole assembly. You can look at the debates in Parliament over Northern Ireland and not once, for instance, um, has a Labour Party spokesperson directly criticised them for trying to ignore the uh, uh, assembly election. And I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of really pretty sad that the sort of Labour Party does this. Um, and and if you look too at the risk that the recent debates over the Windsor framework, um, the debate in Parliament uh, which took place, and again the differences between the Labour Party and the Tory Party, the Labour Party main spokes, spokesperson actually said that the Tories took too long to listen to the DUP and didn't give the DUP a, a uh, enough and and I mean it's just you're saying you should listen to it and you wonder what sort of world these people now um, live in. So now anyway, it 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 is becoming beyond reality if they don't start listening to the people of the majority or the nationalist people of the north and the nationalist people of Ireland uh, as a as a whole. Um, so we have to say um, when and how are they going to listen uh, uh, to those uh, people. And the interesting thing is that it's, that it's just not the people of Ireland. Again, the latest opinion poll, which was, I think, last week, um, uh, the people of Great Britain were asked uh, whether they wanted to hold on to uh, Northern Ireland uh, and whether they would be upset if Northern Ireland left the um, Union. Less than a third said they would be. Um, and in fact, more people, a higher percentage said they would be upset um, if they if they lost the Falklands <laughs> than uh, if they lost Northern Ireland. So that 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 that's that sort of shows this this caution especially with Labour Party sort of leadership has about mentioning Ireland, about even discussing a border poll, even going anywhere near it. It's totally misplaced. The people of this country uh, are much more sensible about this. I mean, again, if you look back in sort of history, you will see that uh, unionism, the unionist leader, the Northern, the, the Irish unionist leader in 1812, in 1912 to 1914, Edward Carson, held meetings in Britain, attracting one and especially attracting between three and 300 and 400,000 people in Hyde Park. You know, uh, 
If Jeffrey Donaldson had a meeting in the Hyde Park today, he'd be lucky to get two or three hundred, you know. So the, the whole atmosphere and the whole uh, mood has sort of changed. And I mean, that is something which I think is very encouraging for us. So while we are encouraged that unionism, the reactionary ideas is, uh, uh, is, is, is declining, as, as I said in the beginning, in its sort of twilight, we also have to say that, that the, the idea of the Irish people having the right to rule themselves um, is, is now probably uh, 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 more even passively, passively supported than it has ever been in Britain. So um, it is very strange that 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 sort of labour is going along with the sort of Tories and refusing to even set a criteria for a border poll, and that is something we and Labour for Irish unity say sort of has to happen. I mean, it's only the start of wind up, start to wind up, Jeff. Okay, it's only the it's only the start of this process, if you like. But 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 the sort of lesson, if you like, is that. That the people of Ireland are spoken, have spoken, and are speaking, and it's time. Um, our party, the Labour Party, for those in the party or the British left as a whole, listen to what they're saying. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff, and sorry to to um, finish up there. It was just uh, we've had really loads of questions, so I really wanted to get onto them so that people have the the chance to to hear your answers. Um, and just to say, um, we've got over 200 people with us live, including from Christchurch, Woking, Paisley, Islington, Isle of Wight, South London, Edinburgh, Loxheath, Tottenham and Sardinia. So um, people from all over joining to, to hear this important discussion. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to re- uh, read out um, there's, there's five questions uh, and then you'll have five minutes each to um, to answer them. But you don't have to don't feel you have to answer them all because some of the directed at, at particular individuals. But um, if you can keep keep your sort of final contributions to five minutes, that will be um, good. And we'll try and get get through as much as possible. I'll take you in, in reverse order. So the first one, um, this is a one that I've sneaked in myself um so michelle this is for michelle in particular um so yourself michelle o'neill and mary lou mcdonald are such inspiring women leaders what can we learn from Sinn fein and the irish republican movement in providing a ladder and a platform for such brilliant women um something we're we're not so good at in the british labor movement although there are some brilliant women leaders uh out there but um, yeah, total inspiration um, from over the sea. Um, from Ben on Facebook, what can be done to support um, the Good Friday Agreement and ultimately the call for a border poll within the Labour movement in Britain? And in particular from Angie um, from Labour for Irish Unity on, the, on Zoom, is there, a, this is for John really, is there any discussion taking place in, within the PLP, the Parliamentary Labour Party, about the failure of the Labour leadership to establish criteria for a border poll or any discussion at all, really. Um, question from Logan. Sinn Féin has clearly worked to grow its support amongst the youth of Ireland. What lessons can the British left learn from this approach to rebuild and grow? Um, question from Zoom. What is the Alliance Party's position on unification? don't know if anyone can fill us in on that and finally Joseph on Zoom and this seems to come up at, at all these meetings so um, in the, the recent BBC Northern Ireland programme The View it was stated that the Republic's health service is outperforming the NHS in the north but many in the north reluctant to vote for reunification because of no free health care in the south. Would a future Sinn Féin government, which we're all looking forward to, introduce an NHS-style health system in the whole island? And do you think that this question is crucial in a border poll? So just a few little issues to to get your heads around there. And I'm going to come to you, Jeff, first. Um, five minutes. I'll tell you when you've had four. So. OK, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so a couple of those. I mean, I think that's the idea of the... Uh, of the health uh, health service, um, an organisation called Ireland's Future, uh, which is a, a 32 county community uh, grouping, um, has recently produced a uh, significant policy uh, document on how it would be possible to build a all Ireland health health 
health service. And um, all this type of thinking is sort of going on. Obviously, other parties, Sinn Féin too, obviously have got proposals, but all this thing that's sort of going on at the moment is sort of people say there are there are more nurses per head of the population uh, in uh, Ireland than there are in the UK. There are more doctors and 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 and, and, and um, uh, as uh, as uh, well. So progress progress has been made in the south, but of course it is not it is not it is not. Uh, uh, as as sort of good as it as it sort of has to be, but again, as I say, this work is sort of is sort of going ahead. I mean, I want to think this thing about about Sinn Fein. Um, it is very remarkable when you go to any meeting of Sinn Fein holds in uh, Britain, and you ask questions, and you know they always try and answer the question, you know, which is being asked. Which you know, if you if you know how British politicians hum and ha and avoid answering questions, it is remarkably fresh uh, for someone to try and answer questions. And I think I think this is the thing. I think Sinn Féin have approached a politics with a sort of uh, a transparency uh, and a sort of honesty, um, which we don't really see, and we don't really see within the. Uh, 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 Labour Party at the moment, and again, that sort of whole Labour Party policy on sort of Ireland is so ridiculous. Um, with with Storm, Stormer saying he's with well, in fact, both Stormer and uh, Peter Kyle have said that uh, uh, the union uh, has more to offer uh, the Irish people and the Northern Ireland people. Than them ruling themselves, and I mean this is this is just just such a, a historical backward view that one that again one sort of wonders what sort of world they actually live in. So the final thing I'm just going to say is this: we Labour for Irish Unity um, is a very young organisation uh, which has grown up over the last um, couple of years. We have a website. We have. We do meetings. We do history talks. We do talk. We do sessions on sort of other other things as well. So just sort of Google our sort of website and 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 join. It's, it's it's very cheap to sort of join. And I think the best way is to form this type of Irish pressure group within the uh, Labour Party. And I think what we should be aiming for is 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 basically a promise that the next. Labour government will um, uh, uh, organise or help to organise with the uh, the Irish government, help to organise a border poll within the lifetime of the next Labour government, and that's a very concrete, moderate demand. But I think it's I think it's an idea whose whose sort of time has come, just as the decline of sort of unions time has come. I think the rise of thinking about a new Ireland at that time has definitely come as well. So it's it's, it's great, really. Thanks, Jeff. Um, spot on timing wise, and couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, I hope people will check out um, Labour for Irish Unity. Um, over to you, John, next to choose from some of those questions and tell okay, us let me, what's let going me on take, in the PLP. <laughs> yeah, let me leave take on them from what Jeff has just been saying. Um, I keep repeating, uh, the unity, the border poll, nothing's inevitable in this. But in terms of Labour Party policy, um, they've got to work now on the basis of what's likely. And what's likely, inevitably, there will be a border poll. And what's likely, the reality is, with the decline of the unionist vote in particular, is likely to be United Ireland. So therefore, I think what some of our arguments with the Labour Party Policymakers at the moment is you've got to at least start exploring this issue in a way which recognizes the reality of the future. And, and let's do that in some ways, learning from the debate that's taken place and learning from Sinn Fein as well is about let's, what's the ethos of that debate. The ethos of that debate is it's inclusive, it's respectful. The ethos is also got to be whatever Labour does now. Do no harm. Do not support legislation that could harm that process being brought about. 
But in addition to that, we, we do have to shift the thing, the whole discussion on. The question of what discussion is taking place within the PLP at the Parliamentary Labour Party at the moment on this, very little. I blame myself partly for that as well. We should be doing more from the left of the party and all of this. That's why Labour for Irish Unity is a, a, an important initiative that I support. I think it, we needed a new, fresh initiative, a new lobbying group, a, a new a bit of really a, a group that brought more creativity to the base. And that's exactly what's happening now, because this issue around the criteria for border poll is having no debate at the moment within, within the Labour, the Parliamentary Labour Party and not in the wider movement, I have to say. So Labour for Irish Unity gives us the potential to encourage that debate. And the way that I think is done, I just want to refer back to something I said earlier. I think we can excite the labor and trade union movement in this country about what the potential is in Ireland. And in that way, it's about getting involved in the discussions about how sort of that broad left alliance in Ireland is created, the sort of program of ideas that are being discussed within Ireland that we could build upon here and encourage. So, I think the work in the Labour for Irish Unity now is, as they are doing, trying to get as much information out as possible and encourage debate, etc. Of course, putting, uh, encouraging that debate within the Parliamentary Labour Party and, and prompting that debate much more. But it is also what they're doing, which is trying to ensure that we extend that into the traditional Labour and trade union movement here. They've actually always had relatively good positions on Ireland in most of our trade unions in recent years in particular, and that we can then build upon it. Because I can't, we can't go into the next general election where Labour is just simply saying, well, we'll we're a unionist party or we can, we'll campaign for the union. We're not. We're a party that's res respected different views on this. And then we've got to enable people who come from a, a Republican tradition to enable that to campaign on that basis. But we've got to be a Labour Party that actually recognises the reality of the world as it will be in a very limited number of years' time. And therefore, at least we should have the discussion about what those options are and how we can prepare for it. So that's why I come back to it. Uh, Labour for Irish Unity is such a good initiative to en enable that to happen. And I do think there is a bit more responsibility on the shoulders of people like me, and that's why I need to do a lot more work on this. My only excuse is that we've had a few distractions over this recent months, particularly with regard to what's happening in the Labour Party and on the industrial front as well. So forgive me for this, Michelle. Thanks, John. And um, I was going to say, you can't lead on everything, alternative economic strategy, defence of civil liberties, um, trying to defend Labour Party democracy. There is a, a lot of fronts that we are fighting on in the Labour Party at the moment, sadly. But um, I think uh, this issue of um, progress in Ireland is something that we should be able to build a, a wider coalition on. And so um, that's incumbent on all of us. So um, I'll ask Michelle to come back on uh, some of the other questions. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Rachel. Um, I'm laughing at, at uh, John saying about distractions. Um, John has been a great friend to me personally and to us for decades. And um, sorry, I'm not sure if you can hear me. You hear that all right? I was saying John's been a great friend to me and and to um, not just John, but Jeremy and Ken and Tony. And we've had so many friends within the Labour Party over decades and and have been a great support to us so yeah there's definitely distractions now John but you've been there when there have been very tough and difficult times when it was very unpopular to be there so well you've never been found wanting and I just want to take this opportunity to thank all of our friends in the labour movement across the past number of decades for the support and the, the assistance they've given us I'm going to try and answer the questions maybe in reverse order I will say now um Somebody had said about Peter Kyle, I think it was John had said about Peter Kyle and um, Keir Starmer, you know, been in favour of the status quo and Peter Kyle saying that think, he thought that we'd be better off in the union, uh, in the union with Britain, that is. But um, he spent the weekend in Donegal. I wonder what his opinion is now, because I'd love to hear what he thinks having been, uh, having been in the very north of Ireland and uh, whether he thinks that we wouldn't be better off 
um, on, in a unified Ireland at this point. But John's question, I, I, I love to hear it at the NHS, is we believe should be free at the point of delivery. And 13 years of Tory misrule in the north of Ireland means that it's extremely, it might be free at the point of delivery, but it's extremely inaccessible. We have the worst waiting lists. We have um, huge difficulties around getting um, people seen by consultants and um, getting beds in hospitals and all of that. I spent yesterday in one of our local hospitals with a family member and we, we spent most of the day and we were talking to people there who'd been there from 6am in the morning. Now, um, my my mother got admitted and that was great and, and she got the care, but by God, it, it we needed additional staff and we need staff and we rely heavily on international staff across the island of Ireland to deliver that care. So we need to get rid of the Tory policies. We also need to look at where we can combine resources. And we've done that to create, to create um, to a brilliant extent, the Northwest Cancer Centre in Derry that looks after people in Donegal, Derry and the entire Northwest region. Um, Pediatric cardiac services now are done on an all-Ireland basis. So we certainly think that we could do so much better, so much more in unity. Um, we There'd be less duplication across the board and we could actually deliver even better than the south are doing now and yes they do they spend more per head of population than we do and we do want to look at an all-ireland nhs type health service i think that's hugely important the alliance question um it breaks down a third a third a third a third for unity a third against and a third don't knows and that's pretty much been the case for a long time however Second preference alliance votes generally transfer to nationalist candidates, which makes you think that the the the, the um, direction of travel would be towards unification. So I think that's why we need that respectful, mature, open debate to give people the opportunity to talk about it and to review their opinion in a very measured um, way where you're able to have the, the facts and figures in front of you. And, and that's where that whole Brexit situation means we don't want to do it like that. In terms of the youth um, and how we attract young people, we, we've got a great new raft of young councillors. And I think for somebody who grew up in Sinn Féin, who was an activist since her teens, my experience has always been neither your your gender or your age would ever hold you back in Sinn Féin. I was asked to take on the role um, in the running the party office in London, which is how I got to know John in the first place, back in the 1990s before the Good Friday Agreement. And most of you know Joe Dwyer, a great, great young man who has run that office now for the past number of years and still only in his 20s. So I think we need to give, empower our young people, empower them, give them positions of responsibility, give them jobs to do and let them have a go at it. And uh, and we'll see what way we get on. And so far, we're, we're very lucky in the talent that we've that we've managed to, to capture here in Ireland. Um. I'll not cover the Labour movement in Britain. I think John has that covered. But the last point I want to make, and I'm coming up on time. Thank you very much for the lovely comment about the women leaders. And again, um, it's about empowerment. It's about um, we we don't need men to step aside to let us take up roles. We have the ability to, to manage to find our way in these roles ourselves. However, I've always found Jerry Adams to be a huge huge inspiration and a, a huge feminist jerry would have been very um adamant every time there was a delegation that there was gender balance that there was urban rural that there was youth and experience and and he brought a lot of people on that people like me and michelle o'neill and and indeed mary lou who so we have a lot to thank jerry adams and martin mcginnis for for their leadership as well and for ensuring that that people like ourselves could come through and we are lucky to have Mary Lou and Michelle O'Neill at the helm. And, you know, that positivity and that um, relentless chasing unity in a way that brings people with them, winning hearts and minds across Ireland and across the world. And uh, we've just got such a strong team at the helm now. And and we're so proud of them. And we want, I think we're inspired by their vision and drive and determination and energy as well. And, and that's a great thing to be able to say. And I think that's um, maybe where, you know, some of the Labour activists in the room tonight might be getting a wee bit demoralised because some of our best people in the Labour movement, some of the, the, the great talent in Labour are in the back benches or, you know, um, maybe not even part of the Labour 
family anymore. And I think that's a huge um, pity because you've got great talent and great people there uh, across the board. Thank you so much, Michelle. It has been totally inspirational um, and yeah, and at a difficult time for the British left, shall we say, um, watching what you're doing in Sinn Féin and supporting that in any way we can is, um, you know, something that can inspire us and motivate us. So um, thanks to everyone for participating in tonight's event, thanks particularly to our speakers and our volunteers, but thanks to everyone who's, who's tuned in um, and everyone who's involved across the whole month in this brilliant sort of ongoing festival ideas, which runs right up to 28th of June. So please do make sure to buy a ticket for the whole festival because without your support, we couldn't host these vital discussions and, and bring these issues up the agenda, which I think we've all established we need to do um, in the British Labour movement. So we know we have important battles ahead here and also that we will stand with those fighting for a better future in Ireland and around the world in their struggles ahead too. And a better socialist future is possible and we have a world to win. So let's do it together. And for your information, the next Arise event is on this Wednesday, 7th of June at 6.30pm on the NHS at 75 and also coming up is the event with special guest Mustafa Bagaiti on Palestine next Monday, 12th of June. Many, many issues on which we fight together. And thanks again to everyone for joining.